Welcome to the Bridging a Generation podcast. I am your host, Malak Arif, and today I got a very, very special guest. But before I even get started, please, please, I'm going to need you guys to hit that like button, subscribe if you haven't already, uh, share, comment down below. Definitely appreciate everybody's engagement. Engagement is very important for the YouTube algorithm, so I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to go ahead and do those things right now. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Coming to the Bridge of the Generation podcast platform, I have a very, very special guest. Uh, this brother is from my city. Uh, he's a legendary, iconic, cultural figure here in Washington, D.C. Um, a member of one of my favorite go-go bands of all time. Arguably the greatest go-go band of all time, but that's debatable. So relax. But... Uh, this brother's known for hits. Him and his band is known for hits such as One on One, Overnight Scenario, uh, Body Moves, Body Snatches, uh, Lock It. I mean, Work the Walls. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, his career has spanned over four decades. Yes, four decades. He has worked with numerous, numerous artists. Not just in the uh, go-go genre, but in the uh, hip-hop and r genre as well. And I'm talking about guys like Chuck Brown. I'm talking about guys like EU. I'm talking about guys like Snoop Dogg. Uh, you name it. You name it. So uh, it is an honor and a pleasure to introduce my next guest. And I'm talking about the one, the only, Andre White Boy Johnson Red essence. Let's go. We about to go win. We about to go win. We got some. We got some things to talk about. Again, being a longtime fan of uh, of of Re, a longtime fan of you. It's 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 so many things that I want to touch on, and I feel that you are the uh, you are the statesman, the elder statesman for me for, for for us to dive into these these deep dive. You know, mm-hmm. okay. these hot topics. Cool. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, how you been maintaining with this whole um. You know, I got to ask all my guests, how you been maintaining with this whole uh, COVID-19, this whole pandemic uh, craziness that's going on out here? Well, I mean, it's it's uh, it's been a challenge um, uh-huh. because we're used to the week in, week out, you know, uh, performing, no doubt. you know, for the last 45 years. Uh, uh, so so to be at home for this long, you know, is, is definitely a challenge. But uh, uh, we 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 try to make the best of it. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, look, yeah. do you ever, you know, I always wanted to ask, you know, when I get an artist like yourself, do you ever get tired of like hearing your name, like Andre, you know, white boy, white boy. Cause I just went to the, the last show I went to was, um, at 
I'm sorry. What was the last show I went to? This is probably pre, pre uh, uh, COVID was at uh, Fast Eddie's and you guys okay. killed it as usual. But mm-hmm. they, 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 they the, the crowd love you guys. You turned you, you, you guys turned turned it out, man. But you ever get tired of like mm-hmm. hearing your name in the crowd? Like, you know, like, <laughs> no, no. I mean, you, you I, I try not to 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 trip off of that too much. Okay. But uh no, I mean you you never get tired of the shine, you know. Everybody uh-huh. loves that. Mm. No doubt, no doubt. So look, yeah. looking back on looking back on your career, which has spanned over like what we talk about, 40 de- 40, 40 years, four decades. Forty years, four, four and a half decades. Yeah, does it does it really feel like forty years? You know, it it does it does a little only because I now look back a lot at some of the stuff that 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 we've done Mm -hmm. uh as well as i'm looking forward as to as to to what we're planning but for 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 the first half Mm. of it or for the first two-thirds of it okay i you know it was all just a blur you know just one (laughs) night after the night after night after night so i didn't really have a chance to look back so now mm. I do a lot of that, you know, I do a lot of looking back because it's like, oh, man, that was cool what we did. Or I think we should have done this instead of that. You know, we, okay. we, we you know, a few of those. But but for the most part, man, it's we've been having a ball. We really appreciate the respect that everybody gives us. Oh, we God. appreciate the audience for sticking with us for 45 years. Jesus I mean, it's, it's not a lot of people that can say that, you know, That's so we, we feel incredibly blessed. No doubt, no doubt. Now, me, like I said, me being a diehard RE fan, you know, you're, I'm a fan of your skill set, period. But before mm-hmm. we uh, dive into the, the, the story of RE, give me a little bit about your background and what inspired you to be a, uh, to become a musician. So when I was young, like 10 years old, okay. we, we, uh, <clears throat> I used to live in Southeast uh, Linda Poland uh, apartment complex. Oh, it was yeah. a band. Yeah, there was a band that used to practice. Band of neighborhood guys. They okay. used to practice in the rec center up there. And every time I would go, they would practice. You could hear them. So I would go stand outside the um, outside the rec center. They never let me in because I guess they had to have a closed practice. But I would okay. stand out there the entire the entire practice. So one time they let me in gotcha. for a few minutes, and and I came in and. From that moment until this one, uh-huh. I wanted to be in a band. I, I knew <laughs> that I wanted to play in a band. I didn't know no which band or I didn't know yeah. how this was yeah. going to play out, but I knew that I wanted to be a part of a band. So talk about this, like me being born and raised, born, being born and raised here in D.C., me me being, you know, just just loving all the, the, the cultural icons like yourself that's coming here from Marvin Gaye to... Uh, you know, uh, uh, Chuck Brown, all the legends, mm-hmm. and yeah. you're, I, I, you know, you're in that in that, in that category as well. But for the fans who's not familiar with uh, DC music history, you know, talk about um, what was the what was the scene like back then? You know, when you was coming up. So when we first started, it wasn't called Go Go. It was just you know DC music, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of uh, other bands that were out there. Uh, 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 the, the Young Senators, uh, Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers, a uh, group called Eddie Kendricks. Uh, Eddie Kendricks uh, right. used the, uh, the Young Senators. Uh, young Senators, right, right. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, various other groups and Experience Unlimited had just got started. So okay. they were part of the inspiration for us to want to be in a band, to, 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 yeah. to form a band ourselves. So, I mean, but back then it, it, it wasn't even called Go-Go. It was just, we were just, just DC music. Uh, most of the groups were playing, uh, they did, you know, park, uh, playing in the parks, uh, playing in the rec centers and playing cabarets. Mm. They, they would do a lot of that. So um, that is uh, part of the inspiration for, you know, us wanting to be able to put a band together. Okay. Okay. So a lot of people may not notice, you know, but you and like you just mentioned earlier, you and um, also Little Benny are both from uh, Linda Poland. Right, which right, is, which right. Is right over here, off of, uh, <laughs> used to be over there off of Southern Avenue. And, Southern um, Avenue, Bellevue yeah, Street. Yeah, Bellevue mm-hmm. Street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's named after uh, A. Poland's uh, uh, daughter. A, his, his daughter, Linda Poland, right. Yeah. So, right, so I've been knowing, so I have been knowing Benny since like I was like nine, years, eight, nine years old. Okay. We knew Benny, I just knew Benny from the neighborhood. Okay. And, uh, and, and I knew that he played trumpet, so. You know, yeah, I've been knowing I've been knowing Benny, his whole family, all of them. I knew wow. it for you know forever. So you guys started from, from 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 my knowledge, you guys started in 1976. It's it's actually a, a little before that. I say wow. 76 as a starting point, okay. but it's actually a little bit before then. <clears throat> Excuse me, because because what we were doing was like I said, we were we were children, right. you know, trying to learn how to play. So we had to first learn how to play a few songs, okay, and then put it all together. So the the first year or so, so so I'm gonna say like maybe seventy five or mid to late seventy five, we were trying to learn how to play stuff. Okay, and seventy six, it kind of started to come together. Okay, and and we just took it from there. So now, you know, a lot of us know, you know, Chuck Brown being, what you know, the originator of Go-Go. Busta yep. Loose came out in 79. But what would you what would you say was actually the first Go-Go song? First Go-Go song? Right. Um, hmm. I'm not sure. I've never been asked that question. So <laughs> Go-Go. Um, you know what? I'm I. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, nah, the reason sure. why the, the reason why I asked that because I'm thinking of you guys. I know you you guys and EU came out around the same time. I don't know who came out first, but EU we know we know we know mm-hmm. we know Chuck was like the the originator. Of but course. when we think of the the sound of Go Go, a lot of us we think of Re and we think of Chuck Brown. We think so. When did because we? What I'm trying to say is. When you guys started back in 76, you guys wasn't playing go-go. What type of music were you playing? So we were playing R&B, soul music is what it was called back then. But we were playing songs that we heard on the radio, uh, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, Parliament, Funkadelic, uh, James Brown, Al Green, all of that type stuff there. Um, So that's that's where we started. Um, Funk... Chuck used to play at the Maverick Room, which is over on 4th Street Northeast. Oh, yeah, but all uh, Zayers. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he used to play, he used to DJ yeah, with yeah, Chuck yeah. over there on Wednesday nights. Okay. And 
while we when we were learning how to to play in in Miss Max's basement, uh, which right. is Funk and Foot's mother, um, while we were learning how to play, Funk said, "You know what? Y'all should play this." Chuck does this beat in between songs mm. where he 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 goes from one song to the next. And that beat, y'all should learn how to play that beat and 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 try to make something out of that. So what and, and Chuck explained that the reason that he did what he would do is play the first song and then go immediately into the beat of the next song that he's gonna mm. play while he's doing uh we're going to do this next one for this lady over here. We're going to have to say happy birthday to these people over here okay. um, while he's playing that beat. And then they would go into the song. So the beat never lasted any more than a minute. It was 30 seconds to a minute while he dedicate the song to who he's going to dedicate to then get right to. It. So around this time, we, uh, Chuck, Chuck wasn't even playing go-go. Would you, would you, is it safe to say that? You know what? He, he, he had the blueprint for what it was. So right. he was playing go-go. He just wasn't calling it go-go. Okay. Because what, what, what happened is as he was doing that section of his, of the songs, mm -hmm. um, people gravitated to that part. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, just as right, much right. as the song as he was playing, because everybody wanted to, get a birthday shout out or, right. you know, um, play this song for me or, you know, it, it was that type of thing. So he, he was playing go-go, but it hasn't, it hadn't really formed all the way into the go-go that we knew of the eighties, nineties okay. and today. Okay. Okay. So, cause I remember like, you know, when I listened to like the Bustin' Loose, that, uh, that first album, um, not, right. I believe this is Chuck Brown's, this is maybe his third album because I know he did Salt of the Earth back in like early uh early seventy-two mm -hmm. with We the People and yep. all those type of songs, which was funk yep. songs. But then you mm -hmm. had the Bustin' Loose album. And when I listen to that album, the song that really stands out, which we all know and love, is Bustin' Loose. But the rest of those songs, I noticed they don't sound like go-go songs. You got never gonna give you up, but the only song on that album is that to me. That sounds like a go-go song is busting loose. And that's why I ask you that because I'm still trying to figure out me being a long time uh go-go fan, I can't really think of a go-go song that's before busting loose. See, that 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 whole to me, that whole album is is go-go. And partly because I heard most of those songs before he recorded them. So that that because he was playing them live. Okay. The, it, uh, when we when we would open up for him, okay. Um, all of those songs, if it ain't funky, game seven, all of those songs. Um, okay, my bad. He was well, playing. If it ain't funky, it's a go go song. My bad. Let me. I forgot that, about that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, so okay, so okay. all of those songs, all of those songs were 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 go go songs. They just weren't the go go that was played in the eighties. Mm. That that was that was the very early the very first stage of Go Go right there. Okay. Those songs, that album right there. We the People was a soul album. That was that, right. that was soul music. Right. right um. Right. Uh, uh. Blow your whistle. Uh. The yeah. Blow your whistle record. That was a soul. That was a soul Definitely. music. We the People, of course. So. Definitely. But 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 um. Busting loose with if it ain't funky, 
uh, I believe I Got You Now, Game got Seven. Dead. It's it's a bunch of songs on there. Yeah, all never of those. Be, I, know he, I know he did a cover. Never. Uh, uh, he did Jerry the cover. Butler. Yeah, yeah, he did that cover. Um, but all of those songs, that was the very first stage of Go Go right there. Mm. It still wasn't called Go Go at that time. Right. Okay. But that was the very first stage of. Okay, so let's 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 fast forward a little bit. So here we are with 80, 81. Um mm -hmm. when did you guys transition from funk music, funk slash rhythm and blues music to what is now known as go-go music? You know, because when so, I think of go-go music, I really think of you guys, mm -hmm. Chuck Brown, EU, Trouble Funk. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so let's, let's talk about that transition a little bit. So we started to pick up on that beat in 78 77 really in Gee. 77 we were practicing the just the beat we had to get mm. the beat first okay um so um so so that's where we picked it up and we started to add our own flavor into it chuck had uh, a congo player who was playing a different type of rhythm and uh, 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 I think Leroy played cowbell, and Tillery played the uh, tambourine. So yeah. they would they would do that uh, uh, on that beat. But when we started playing it, Jungle Boogie started playing a different type of rhythm. So if you listen to Chuck tapes from even from the eighties, but if okay. you listen to them from the seventies, mm. and listen to our tapes from the seventies, the Congo beat is way different. Way different. Yeah, I mean, I was just way different. So then, and then you got, we had David Green uh, playing uh, cowbells, timbales, and he sang. He was a singer. Mm -hmm. um, Benny played tambourine a lot. Then uh, all of us, it was, I mean, almost the whole band was playing percussion sounds. Right. That uh, guitar scratch that Chuck does. Mm -hmm. um, I, I started doing that real, I mean, really heavy. So I made that real prominent okay. inside that go-go pocket. Um, mm -hmm. Chuck, Chuck kind of kept it in the background, but when we started playing it, uh, Funk was like, no, no, play that, play that part right there and turn that part up. Okay. And I was like, okay. I mean, but us being musicians or, or trying to be musicians, we were like, this ain't no music. This is just, you know, <laughs> a, some sound. He you was like, nah, leave it in there. Yeah. yeah because yeah. everybody wants to play. But then, as the pocket came together, right then I understood what this what what that was. Mm. I understood, sir. I understood exactly what that was. So um, that's when the percussion, the beat came together for for, for us. Okay. Um, with with funk, he would you know when he's on stage, he would do the same type of thing that Chuck was doing. You know, we want to say a happy birthday to this person or that person, and we want to send a special dedication out to this person or that person. But then Funk ended up having full-on conversations with people on the pocket. <laughs> you know, he's talking to people, hey, we missed yeah. you last night. We had a good time in there. Didn't we so-and-so? And I mean, he's talking to everybody in the building while we still riding the beat. Right. <laughs> so that was how it everything started to expand more. Okay. Um, Funk really doesn't get enough credit, but he was the one that. Ex now, 
we didn't want him to be talking all that time. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite lead of all time, man. Don't don't at me. Don't I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'm not. A, it's not up for no debate. That's my favorite lead of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funk. I mean, Funk is great at what he does. Yeah. But what Funk was doing at that time was he was connected with the audience. You know, mm. he was, you know, helping to draw the audience in even more gotcha. than, than we were already doing by establishing, you know, some of the people in the crowd on a first name basis. He knew right. them. They knew him. Okay. And that's what made them come out even more because it's like, yo, they know who I am. So they're going to they're going to play a song for me. They're going to give me a shout out or whatever. <laughs> so they made sure that they didn't miss a show. Did that kind of throw you guys off a little bit when he when he initially started, you know, started to interact with the crowd like that? Because you guys are young and not, you know, it's not like you guys been like a, a seasoned musicians at this point. you know. Right. Right. No, I mean, it didn't throw us off. We didn't understand until we saw the reaction. OK, I think Funk knew from the break what he was doing. We didn't know what he was doing. So okay. we were like, come on, come on, let's go. Let's get to the next song. And by he's setting up the next song. So we yeah. and you can hear us on some of them old tapes. We get antsy back there. So you hear us just tinkering around <laughs> playing. You know, it's supposed to be just a pocket, but we back there tinkering around because we like trying to push him along. Right. But, but I mean funk funk knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. So so around this time, who was the who how can I put this? Who was the like the de facto leader at this time of the group? Of Red Essence? Yeah. Funk, James Funk. Funk. Was the it was him okay. and Benny. They kind of had a dual role, but Funk was was more of the the leader. Okay, okay. So listen, here, here, here we are. We talk about 1981, 82. You guys, mm -hmm. uh, you you know, songs start start picking up a lot of steam. You guys playing mm -hmm. all over the city. Names. What was some of the uh, clubs that you guys first start playing? Uh, playing. Uh, you know, here in DC. So when we first started, we were doing a lot of rec centers. So okay. we would play at the uh, Highland Rec, Linda Poland Rec, Barry mm -hmm. Farms Rec, the old Barry Farms Rec. They old got a Barry new Farms one there. Yeah. yeah, that old Barry Farms Rec that was small and tight and hot. We were in that. <laughs> we would play at uh, Savoy Elementary School, which is down the, down the hill from Barry Farms. And places like that. Uh, to start off, as well as playing outside the parks and doing block parties and stuff like that, talent shows, we did all of it. So, so around this time, did you guys have management, or when did that come? So we did. Um, that came around maybe 1977, 78. Um, we were practicing at Foots's house, him and Funk's house, okay. and Miss Mac. Their mom right. had a little bit of music business knowledge. Okay. So we didn't really know what we were doing because we were young. So all we want to do was play. We ain't know nothing about no business. Right. So her, Miss Mac, Miss Neal, and Miss Mac's mom, they all said, Well, look, we'll help out. You know, okay. we'll help you uh, book your gigs and you guys can rehearse here. At uh uh at we we'll be at Miss Max's house and we'll book your gigs for you and we'll take you to the gigs because none of us had a driver's license or a car, <laughs> so we all had to be driven to the gigs that we were had that that we were gotcha. getting. 
Okay. Okay. So 1981-82, you guys come out with body moves, one-on-one. Yep. Now, were these the like the first these were like the first essence songs that I remember, even though I was I was born in 81. But mm-hmm. brought up in, you know, his <laughs> in, in Southeast, you could not escape those songs, even you know, mm-hmm. as, as a young kid. Now, when mm-hmm. I remember growing up, those those were like the, the hits. What would, what was some of the hits that you guys had that was like prior to the, to those two songs? So one on one is the very first original song that we've ever done. Okay, I knew I was one on one, and and that was in I think that was around seventy eight. Wow. The very first original song. One because yeah. because to my knowledge, I thought that song came out like eighty one, eighty two. No, one on one had been out. We had been practicing one on one and and developing the song since uh, nineteen seventy eight. Okay, so that was basically um, when you guys released it. That was the first time that it was like actually recorded. Is basically what you're telling me. Yeah, we actually record. Uh, which recording are you talking about? Um, like the, body um, moves, body moves one on one. Okay, so body moves was we recorded. Um, we did a session in 1980 that included Body Moves, Mm-mm Good, which is a song that Ooh, Chuck wrote. That's my, that's my shit right um, there. Um, get on the Wagon and One on One that okay. we did a studio session at Sigma Sound Studios in Philadelphia. Ooh. We recorded those four songs. That's what the OJs and all them recorded. The OJs, Lou Rawls, yeah. all, all this, a whole lot yeah. of people. Talk and about Chuck that recorded, experience, man. That's crazy. Chuck <laughs> recorded "Busting Loose" up there too. What 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 it was was um, he knew that studio because they spent a lot of time there. So okay. when we called him and said, "Yo, can you um, produce this our Philadelphia. record for us?" Phil- this, Philadelphia, this is Philadelphia. Right? Yes. Um, we called him and said, uh, "Hey, uh, we got this song that we're developing. Would you produce it for us?" And he was like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to do that. So he, I mean, he came to a bunch of rehearsals and and helped us to organize the song and 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 really tighten the song up because his big thing was when you go to the studio, you go to record, you don't go to practice. Exactly. So we're going to learn this song and practice. And then when we go up there and hit record, you should be able to do it, you know, no with, with no problem. So he came by. Uh, Miss Max House, a bunch of times, you know, helping us to organize and put the song together. We put this, and then we did the session and uh, went up there and did it. Now, to my to my knowledge, I heard that it was supposed to be an album or an EP that had body moves, one on one, you know, those other songs that you just mentioned. But it, <clears throat> excuse me, but it never came out. What 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 happened with that? So those were the first four songs of the album. We were recording eight songs. They was they were going to be the first four, and then we were developing four more after yeah. that. Um, but what happened was there was uh, the demo tape that we did uh, with those songs on it. Mm. As soon as we got back to to the city, somebody leaked the demo tape, Ooh. and it was all over the street. <laughs> you know, the unfinished songs, the unfinished right. tracks were all over the street. So we decided, all right, well, what we're gonna do is finish these two 
uh, our body moves and mm -mm, good. We're going to finish those. And we're going to see about uh, get on the wagon at one-on-one. Uh, but we're going to finish these here because we were already uh, uh, really on our way with those two. Those two yeah. were pretty much done. We just hadn't recorded everything for it, but those two were done. So that's what happened. We Since the tape got leaked, that whole plan blew up. Mm, that, that, let's 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 back up for a second because that body moves man we got to talk about that yeah. that's that that is arguably one of my favorite records from you guys man you know and and mm -hmm. we could we'd be here all day talking about all the songs that you guys <laughs> recorded yeah. that i love but that body moves mm -hmm. man talk about um you got how did that come about and what was it like you know working with the og working with uh the legend chuck brown what was that like so i mean chuck is a, a Chuck is a is a true professional, but what I really appreciated about him most was he he included our ideas. He didn't just come in and say, "You play this, you play this, you play that." Gotcha. He said, "Let me hear what you're playing," and then we played it. And he's and he would kind of correct play this right here a little bit like this, and then play this over here like that. You know, let's see how that'll work. And and so he worked with us. Instead of just directing everybody, he okay. he included everybody into the uh, recording and the creative process. We kind of knew what we wanted to do. We just didn't know how to get there. He helped us to get there. That's what that was. Okay, so talk about body moves. Talk about how did you guys come up with that that whole concept, man? Because that that song is time. You guys got one thing I can say about Re, man. You guys make timeless music, but that song right there. I'm talking about you could hear that song play when I was over in in, in London a couple of years ago. That song was was played, <laughs> and I'm thinking like, how the hell they know about body moves, man? Mm -hmm. Like that yeah. that song is is so monumental. I feel in in regarding to the success of uh, Red Essence, man. So I would love to get the backstory on that. Well, I mean, um, what we were doing at the time is when we would play, we would you know kind of experiment with different songs or different lines and things like that. So I'm not sure who started the line first. It may have been Godfather because a lot of times, most of the songs <laughs> would start with him, okay. him on a Hammond organ. And um, um, it, it seemed like it would have been him first and then Ned second, uh, coming in with a, coming with a bass line. And then I think, um, I came with the guitar line and then everything else started to really, really form um, uh, that when your body moves, it makes us want to groove. That sounds like a, a little Benny thing. That's, okay. That was that was his thing right there. Because um, he was I mean, that's all of his all of his his songs had that that sort of feel to it. Gotcha. Um, so so I, I'm thinking that's how that whole song developed. Uh, that was uh, probably the origin of it. Uh, okay. It's been a while, so I totally understand. Right. So, right. so what was it like when you guys first heard your song, you know, heard, heard that song like on the radio? What was that feeling hey, like? Man, it, it was it was crazy. It was unbelievable because, <laughs> well, it, it was unbelievable that we could even do our own record. I thought you had to have a record company to do your records for you. I didn't know that you could go in the studio yourself, record it and release it yourself. 
Now, I'm Body Moves again, know. real quick. Body Moves again was recorded at Sigma Sound, right? It was recorded at Sigma Sound. Yeah. Okay, I just want. Okay, go ahead. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm. So the first time we heard it, I mean, it was really unbelievable because it's like, yo, that's really us on the radio. Yeah. That's yeah. us. Pe- that people people are really yeah. buying our record because yeah. uh, when it first came out, people bought the record and then they would bring the uh, twelve inch to the show for us to sign. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is all right. Oh, man. I, I know that mm-hmm. had to been like a crazy, a crazy feeling. So, you know, talk about those early years, man. A lot of us want to know, like, what was it like, man? We talk about the Maverick Room, Northwest Gardens, you know, the, the, the Kitty Cabarets, the Shelter Club. Mm-hmm. What was what was that, you know, just coming out of South, coming out of, uh, you know, here Southeast, and you know, being being in the upper echelon of, of bands, <laughs> what was that feeling like, man? So it, I mean, it, it was always a good feeling when we we perform. Our thing was just we want to perform. We know anything about the business. We didn't really know anything about you know being popular. Right. We just wanted to perform. You know, where's the next gig at? And <laughs> is anybody going to be there? If nobody was there, that's fine. We still get to play. You know, that's that's that was our thing. But <clears throat> when people started to really pay attention to the band and follow the band, that was a great feeling because a lot of people were our friends already. And then okay. we got even more friends with, you know, with as the band grew. That was a, a, a I mean, that was a really good feeling to have people to be, you know, uh, just following you and right. and wanting to be around you and right. and all the girls want to speak to you now and it, you know it's all that type of, <laughs> it was just great man we had a great time so so let's let's go back a little bit like uh, when you guys came together what were initially was the the vision of the group you know because when I think of you guys man I think of a a, a self contained unit but I would love to hear from you what was the actual mm-hmm. of Red Essence. So the, 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 the vision was to be like Earth, Wind & Fire. That's what that was. That's who we wanted to be. That was the group that we all loved the most. So okay. uh, as far as putting the songs together, the performances, the uniforms, the theatrics, the light show, the, all of that there was patterned after Earth, Wind & Fire. You know, okay. that's, that's who we wanted to be. We studied wow. Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> um, um, so as it, but as it as it grew on, you know, we adapted, you know, some other artists as well. Um, obviously, Chuck Brown, okay. but uh, we th- we uh, were big fans of James Brown, Parliament Funkadelic, uh, the Barcades, Confunction, all of the group cameo, all of the groups of the late seventies, early eighties. We were we were fans of all of those groups. So that that that. What you're saying right now, that, that's about to segue into my second question, my, my, my next question. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I know that you are a music lover, but a lot of mm-hmm. people don't know how you got your name. Because when we when we, all, <laughs> we know you as White Boy, White Boy, White Boy, but mm-hmm. how did you, t- tell the fans, like, how did you originally get that name? So back in the 70s, okay, um, I used to listen to a lot of pop music which was rock music, which was by white artists. 
So songs like um, uh, 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 Aerosmith, songs by Aerosmith, songs by the Eagles and Kansas and Led Zeppelin and all those groups, which are all guitar driven songs. Okay. So that's what attracted me to it. I'm, I was a guitar player and I liked the guitar line that they were doing in the song. So I would learn it and I would play it at practice. And Funk kept saying, you coming in here with all that white music. <laughs> You know, so but it was songs that I liked. Right. We didn't play any of those songs. We played none of them. But I would play them, you know, while we fooling around. And he kept saying, "You playing all that white music?" And then they just start calling me. Him in particular right. just start calling me white boy. Hey, white boy, come here. You know, <laughs> talking to, talking about, you know. And after a while of me saying, "Look, stop calling me that." I just finally was like, all right, whatever, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 you know, you know. So, so Funk was the one that started all of that. So he the one who pretty much gave you your moniker. You're right. Okay. <laughs> so look, so look, let's let's uh, you 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 mentioned Funk, but I want to talk about like the chemistry between you know Funk and B.J. Floyd and Foots. Like, what mm -hmm. was that like around that time, man? Because you guys were. We, a lot of people forget, man, how young you guys were, man. Talk about that. What yeah. made that chemistry so so unique and so special? Yeah. So when we were all up creating, that's when the chemistry started to develop. Um, uh, like I said, Godfather would start off a lot of self. Okay. And 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 once we hear where he is and where he's going, then we would we could figure out where we supposed to be, where we want to get in. We didn't want to play the exact same patterns that he was playing. So we were really big on syncopation back then. Okay. So we're playing off of him, off of his beat. So whatever Ned comes in, I don't come in with the same type of line that Ned comes in. Right. I come in with something different, mm. but it all has to fit. So that we started to develop, um, the, the chemistry musically and then Funk, Benny and David Green in DC, they were mainly the ones doing the vocal parts okay. um, with Funk leading. Benny had way more rhythm than everybody on the front line. So Benny stuff was always in time. Mm. Funk, Funk was more like a conversation. He has had no time, no, no kind of, <laughs> No time or nothing. Yeah. But Benny was always doing his things on the beat, so that helped to that helped to create that dynamic of Funk doing his thing, okay, and Benny doing something different. Mm. So they were both doing the exact same things. So that's what uh, uh, kind of gave them their chemistry. Okay. And then everything else is just flavoring on top. The the uh, the other keyboards, the horns, and all of that. Right. That's that's just uh, everything else coming together. Now, one thing I always, you know, one thing that always to me, all you know, that that stands out about Goko is heavy, heavy, heavy percussion. And mm -hmm. you're a guitar player. Mm -hmm. Has it ever been like any conflict with you amongst the other band members as far as you know not being able to? Have your licks heard sometimes? Like, have it ever been like you're like, hold up, we it's, it's too much crank going on. Like, I need to, I need to get my get my thing off, you know. Like, yeah. So when we first started, when I was talking about funk doing the percussion for you know, with he had 
just be having conversations with people. Right. That's what that was about. It was like, while he's talking, I mean, he's, you know, the percussion break goes from a minute to two minutes to 10 mm -hmm. minutes. Oh. And the whole 10 minutes he talking, we back there doing nothing. So that's when you would hear us in the background just playing around. And okay. that's also how we created a lot of stuff as well. Okay. You know, while he's talking, we back there trying to develop something. And a lot of times when he's talking, he's also listening. Mm. We didn't know that at first um, because if he came up with something that he liked, he would say, play that again. You know, and we thinking, all right, he, okay, he listened. We right. didn't know, right. know he's listening to it. <laughs> um, so that's, um, that's how all of that stuff would develop. Um, so we did, and, and it, of course, everybody wants to play and everybody wants to be heard. Right. But we also knew that it was important for us to keep connecting with the audience like we were okay. because they were really, I mean, we weren't a jazz group, you know, mm -hmm. where we got to, everybody got to be showing off all the chops. Right, right. It was like, you know, this is a funk band. This is a dance thing. This is a groove here. So yeah. the most important thing is for the audience to be dancing. That's what yeah. we need. Gotcha. You know, you can show off a little later on as long <laughs> as the audience is dancing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so let's fast forward a little bit. We talking about 86, 87. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You guys were invited to do go, go live. Yep. Now I remember that. That was, that was, I remember seeing the commercials for Go Go Live on uh, like WDCA twenty and all that yeah. when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So at, at the at the old Capitol Center. So yep. talk about that. What was I, I once heard that you said that um, it was like the apex of Go Go. It was uh, the rise of what could have been. So talk about that experience and and and, and how much all of that meant to you and to the, to the other band members. Man, talk about that. It, it it was that was a, a pivotal moment in go go because before we had been playing you know we played a ring uh, uh, um the Coliseum mm. uh which is five thousand people we would the, the old theater the old DC Coliseum in Northeast oh Washington Coliseum yeah, yeah. yeah. we okay. we would we would play that uh we played the DC Armory a bunch of times yeah. we had done the Capitol Center a few times before Go Go Live, opening for the Barcades and Cameo and Ooh. a bunch of different people. Um, but that was us. We were the first band on. So we were we were on while people were coming in, you know, okay. uh, except for our friends who knew that we were playing and then they would get there early enough so they could hear us. Okay. But but um we would that that moment that we did uh, Go-Go Live at the Capitol Center, we felt like, you know, for Go-Go, for you to be able to put six or seven Go-Go bands together, mm. and we all most sold it out. I mean, it was, there wasn't very many tickets left. Now, let me so, say this, uh, let me say this, Andre, real quick. To those who don't know, the Capitol Center used to be a stadium and Landover, Merlin, where the Washington Bullets, the Capitals, Georgetown University used to play mm -hmm. at it. Um, they closed it down, tore down back maybe about 20 years ago. So I just, just had to put that out there. Yeah, not only the, the sports teams, but every major artist 
Gotcha. Black, white, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. played the Capitol Center. So the Rolling Stones, the the Michael Jackson, Prince, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Fleetwood Mac, all of those groups there, they played the Capitol Center. So that's how, you know, and we have all this in the back of our mind. Like, you know, all these groups have have came have come here and and sold this place out. So for us to get there and have all those people show up for an all go-go show mm. was was just a phenomenal feat. And we were very, very proud of that moment in go-go because everybody, I mean, everybody showed up with their madness gear or whoever they were rocking at the time. Um, so, so this was a true DC thing here. Yes, sir. I mean, yes, every, sir. Every, everybody was just yeah, really yeah. excited about the gig and everybody was just in tune with it. No doubt. No doubt. So, you know, around this time, uh, hip hop started to take off a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, like when did, so when did you guys like start to, you know, infuse hip-hop into what you guys do because one thing i always say about essence man to me and i'm and i'm biased i'm biased because you guys are my favorite go-go <laughs> band of all time but you guys have the best original songs mm-hmm. you know in my opinion in my opinion yeah so but i noticed you know hip-hop is taking off so again when did you guys decide to like you know what let's start dabbling a little bit of this and a little bit of that you know well, it was around 84, 85, when we actually started to play some of the uh, hip hop songs that were out at the time. And, and the main thing was um, th- we would always add one or two cover songs into, into the set, but we would never play it like the record. We always played it our way. We always played it like we wanted to play it. So take, do you know what time it is for, you know, uh, for, 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 for an instance? Yeah. When we were coming up, when we were coming up with, if you listen to the record, mm. the record is way different. The original yes. record is way different no doubt, no doubt. from what we doing. So what we decided was his was slow and stiff. Do you know what time it is? You know, so what we did was injected some energy into it. Okay. Uh, uh, had uh, BJ was playing. He put those wood blocks on the keyboard back behind it, so that gave it a real good solid percussion uh, of a bass. And then, um, and then I just did the rap over top of that beat. Okay. And 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 it worked. I mean, that is one of the most popular songs that we still do now. Oh, Every yeah. time we play, it, play an old school song. Yeah, yeah. we That's can play timely. an old school set. Or we don't even have to play an old school set. You know, it could be for a young audience, you know, uh, 25 or 30. They know the record. Oh, so, hell yeah. So, uh, I mean, you cannot go anywhere. Like, big, growing up here, being a young kid, you cannot go anywhere without hearing Do You Know What's Like, that was everywhere yeah. here in the city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it was a big It was a big song. And we, um, yeah. we, we're very proud of, uh, of what we were able to do with it. Okay, so because I remember like I remember like my, my uncles and all them, they had like the you know the go go tapes and they had that uh that first now correct me if I'm wrong, but the first album I remember you guys having. Well, I remember my uncle had the, this white uh album cover um when you guys was at Breeze. Is yep. that the is that the first is that the first like official project you guys released? 
Because that was like um, the earliest one. That was like the earliest one I remember. And it had like, do you know what time it is? It had one-on-one. It had, um, I believe it had body. It had, a, it had some it had some no. bangers on it. So it uh, that one, Live at Breeze's Metro Club, we, there we recorded go. that. Yeah. Um, so that one had one-on-one and do the Mickey and, the Mickey. and, yep. and, and, um, uh, uh, must be, I must be dreaming and, uh, shake it, break it. So all of that there, we, that was the first, uh, live album yeah. that we had done. Um, uh, that, that was the very first live album that we had done and, and okay. we rehearsed for like maybe six weeks yeah, yeah. in order to record that. So so yeah, and we are very proud of the way that came out. It that came out great, out clean. Even to, to this day, that mm-hmm. thing sounds just as clean as I remember it as a it kid. Is, it is, it is, it is, it is a very. It sounds good, and it's a very distinctive sound. Um, so when that record comes on, you know if you know the songs, mm. if you know that out, you know that that's what it is. Just like uh, Chuck's "Go Go Swing." Oh, as soon as that record comes on, you know, know what it is. Yeah. What it is. Mm. Um, so we, we, that's actually the same people recorded both, both albums, Chuck's album and our album, okay. uh, the same studio. Um, but that we, we, we're really proud of the way that came out mm. because it's, it's, it stands up even today. They play it on the radio today against okay. anything that's out there. Oh yeah. And oh, it yeah. stands up. <laughs> oh yeah. Stands up. No mm-hmm. doubt, no doubt. So we 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 um earlier we 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 I mentioned you know hip hop and you know starting to to take off and you guys started to incorporate a, you know a, a couple of um hip hop songs into uh what you guys uh, mm-hmm. uh put out. But a lot of us forget about this legend in the city out of Northwest DC, Dunbar High School. And I'm talking about the one, the only <laughs> Fat Rodney, man. Talk about him, man. How did you guys link up with Fat Rodney? So Rodney used to come out to see us all the time, you know. Yeah. And and we noticed that when Rodney would come through, he always had a crew of guys with him. But Rodney was one of the more popular people in the whole go-go. Yeah. You know, everybody knew who Rodney was. Yeah. And most of them knew that he rapped because when he would get, near the stage mm. he doesn't even have to be on the stage if he comes near the stage the crowd <laughs> will start chanting what you gonna do fat Rodney? what you gonna do fat? so that that's when we just we we figured out okay he's a rapper you rapper come on up do your thing once he got up there and was just rapping and he yeah. rapping off the top of his head talking to the people yeah. in the crowd and all of that there you know we became fans of his right then so it was like yo every time you come through you got to come up on stage we we told him so yeah come on out we playing over here we playing over there and and he would just come out i want to talk about two two iconic moments in re history you know one of them is we we speaking of fat ronnie one of them is uh you know fat ronnie uh when he battled um dc scorpio you remember that night Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 the second one. Matter of fact, let's talk about that because I I I've heard the recording, but take me back. What we talk about? 88, 89, What was that? Yeah, yes. What, what was that like, man? Talk, uh, take me back to that night. So I I believe initially it wasn't going to be any type of battle. It was just right. 
One of them was going to rap and then another one was going to rap. But of course, you know, as and, and I believe Scorpio was the first one to go at Rodney. Rodney was just rapping, doing his thing because right. everybody already knew him. So he just right. getting up having fun. And I think Scorpio w- wanted to compete with him because he was so well received amongst the audience. So Scorpio kind of went at him and then Rodney had to come back, you know, but Rodney was fly what he is. He, he <laughs> always had something. He always had something. So he came back. So it turned into. I heard he, he, it don't write, into he didn't write nothing. He didn't write nothing down. Ever. He don't write. It seemed like he don't even think about what he's going to do until he's up there. So they kind of went back and forth. And I know that they they gained a respect, a mutual respect for each other because Scorpio got up there. He held his own. Rodney just but Rodney, you know, everybody already loved him. Everybody already knew him. And um, and and that's so if there was a winner in that battle. I would say Rodney because he was already more well liked and well perceived already. Okay, okay. So the 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 second iconic moment in RE history, I think you know where I'm about to get go to, but it's that it's that night in 1985. Um, 85. Folk and <laughs> <Eddie>. <laughs> let's talk about that. Talk about, talk about like, what was you thinking when you saw that, like. That was that was different. Like, let's 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 be honest. What what was your thoughts when that happened on that night in nineteen eighty? I, I was like, <laughs> man, this is unbelievable that we up here in front of all these people. <laughs> all Yo, these people. Where, where was the what, what club the was the panorama room? Okay, southeast. Yeah, like. We in front of all these people. We supposed to be performing, and these two going back and forth with each other right here on stage in the on the mic, and all of us are back there. The band is still playing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, I cannot believe this. And then we saw we we were about to stop, yeah, yeah. but Funk didn't want us to stop because we were like, all right, well, this is you know we need to stop so y'all can settle this. Right. <laughs> he, he didn't want to. He didn't want to stop. He wanted everybody to keep playing. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh man, come on! And 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 I mean, one thing led to another, and next thing I know, they they you know they they well into it. And I was like, man, I ain't never been so embarrassed <laughs> in my life. And then the next thing, oh, next man. thing I know, that tape is all over the place. That's what I was just about to get to. I was just about to ask him, what did you? How did you feel like? Damn, this was recorded. Like, what's going yeah. on here? Hey, man, I was so embarrassed when when all that came out and when when everything because because I started getting a bunch of questions. What happened? Who started what? Right, who hit right. who? You know, and and I didn't want to be answering all that. That's but right, that right. stuff that's spoke that you do in house. You do that exactly. type of stuff. You do that right, at right. rehearsal. You know, work that out in rehearsal when you get I'm on the show. Sure they- I'm pretty sure they had a little, you know, during rehearsal. Everybody had y'all had y'all little, you know, yeah, yeah, disagreements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it didn't. It never spilled over into anything like that. So I wish it had spilled over to that at rehearsal, as opposed to at the panorama room in front of all those people. All those people. (laughs) Hey, shout out! Shout out! 
the little Benny shout out to fuck. We still love y'all, man. Rest oh, in peace, man. little Benny. But that yeah. that recording, like I was just listening to it maybe about a couple of weeks ago. And uh I was like, wow, I can't believe this actually happened. I said, when I get out, yeah. I, I was reluctant to ask it to you know, a lot of people don't don't might feel uncomfortable talking about that, but I, I look at it as water under the bridge. We're talking 35 years ago. Yeah, man, that was a long you know, time ago. It's yeah. it's and they laugh about it. everybody laugh about it now. So you know, no doubt, no doubt. Mm. So 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 look, let's um we talk about funk. No matter of fact, I want to I want to go back a, a second. We um just got finished talking about uh, Fat Roddy. Mm-hmm. Talk about what was it like getting that phone call when you found out that Fat uh, Roddy was killed at the Crystal Skating Rink. What was that? You know, take me back to that 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 day, nineteen eighty nine. I think I believe like June. What was that like? It was rough. Uh, we were playing at the Black Hole that night. Excuse me. He was over at Crystal Skate, hanging out with some of his crew. Um, but he was supposed to come up to the Black Hole. Oh. He was supposed to be coming up there later. Um, mm. But they um, somebody called up there and told uh, uh, Vic, him and his father used to own the Black Hole. Somebody told Vic that Fat Rodney got shot. And Vic kind of called around trying to see what was going on. And then um, he came up and told us. He said, man, um, Rodney got shot, but I'm not sure if he's dead or not. He said, he, but he got shot. He's over at Crystal Skate. So when we, and this was during the halftime. So we had to do the second set. And then after we did the second set, everybody jumped in their cars and ran out of there. Um, going back over to Crystal Skate. We went to Crystal Skate because most of us lived on that side anyway. So um, we just made a detour up to Crystal Skate and they had everything blocked off, wouldn't let us go in. And we saw a couple of people and they told us, they was like, yeah, man, he he didn't make it, he did. So, I mean, it was rough because Rodney was a part, uh, I mean, we felt like he was a part of the band, you know? I thought he was, he, when I was a kid, I thought I thought he was, I thought he was a part of our, I just, I probably found yeah. out maybe about 20 years ago that he wasn't. Yeah, like, yeah. no, he, he, we told him, you know, anytime you want to come out, you know, just come on, just come on through. We, we love to have you. We actually tried to put him on the payroll. He was like, I don't want no money. You know, I just like coming out the party with y'all. Yeah, so, yeah. um, so it, 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 that was a real devastating time, man. It was, you know, because it, it, he was not only a, a really, really good, uh, uh, um, rapper, but he was just a great person. Everybody loved Rodney, man. Rodney come through the joint and the whole place light up. So you gotta be a special person to get that, you yeah. know. And 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 we miss him right now. Is, is a lot of stuff that we could be doing with Rodney right now, you know. Yeah. That that we really miss, and 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 it's too bad that you know we can't do it. Uh, you know, um, talking to different like you know the OGs that you know that's that's from here, brothers like yourself, man. They they from what I hear, they say, man, he could have been that one, you know. He that he could have been. He had that type of talent, you know. He, like like you yep. said, didn't don't write nothing, you know. Had the charisma, was fly yeah. as hell, you know. Yeah. <laughs> had the Moss Brown on it, yeah, all of that, all, that. all of that. Mm-hmm. He was fly all as hell, that. man. So mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm glad, uh, you know, I got the opportunity to, to 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 talk to you about this brother because I feel like more of us, especially from the city, we should know about this brother. Um, 
you know, I feel, you know, he's a legend in my, in my absolutely. eyes. He absolutely is. So, so look, let's fast forward a little bit, uh, switch gears for a second. So, um, you guys, um, had a record deal at one time with, um, you know, uh, Uptown Records. And prior to that, you guys had a, a record deal with Fantasy. So let's start with um, Uptown Records. And how did you guys get that? Um, you know, uh, I don't know if did you actually have a deal, but I know because I remember that um, that Locket was on the Strictly Business soundtrack, which was MCA and Uptown. So yeah. so talk about that relationship with, um, you know, meeting Andre Harrell and how did that, you know, what happened with that? So we met Andre at the Apollo Theater. We did okay. a show at the Apollo Theater. Um, I believe it was us, EU, Trouble Funk, and Biz Marquis. Mm. Um, Biz Marquis was it was headlining the show um, mm. because he had uh, he had two Nobody Beats the Biz and he had a song called Picking Boogers. That I remember that. Just, oh man, we. <laughs> <laughs> he was just went crazy for us. Um, so we performed up there, uh, uh, did two shows. And okay. uh, while we were in, while we were there, in between the first and the second show, Andre Harrell comes backstage and said, hey, I want to talk to y'all about, my name is Andre Harrell. I got Uptown Records. Uh, I want to talk to y'all about being on my label. So we were like, okay, cool. And we were thinking, well, who was Uptown Records? So he had out, <laughs> we would think he had. Hold on, hold on, Y'all didn't know who Andre Harrell was at this time? Well, he, he wasn't Andre Harrell at that time. He only had Heavy D and his I'll Be Sure record was about to come out. Oh, so, shit. So this, this was way before he, Uptown blew up into oh, Uptown. Oh, okay. I apologize because I'm, I'm thinking, no. you know, I know that I know Lockett was on that Strictly Business soundtrack, which was Uptown. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, continue, continue. I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we met him at the Apollo Theater. He said, uh, you know, I, 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 I love the group. I want, right. I want to talk to y'all a bit about being on, the, on, on my label. Like, okay, cool. So he came down. Um, he came to DC mm. and said, uh, I, I want to see what it is y'all do. So we he came down, came to the black hole, and it, oh. it's jam-packed. It's jam-packed in there. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's when it was celebrity hall. What, celebrity, was hall. Hall? Was celebrity hall. hall it was celebrity hall. It was celebrity hall. He came down. Uh, celebrity hall jam packed, Ooh. um, and he was like, Oh wow, I didn't know it was like this. So we was like, Well, yeah, we, you know, and he was like, Well, how many nights do y'all play? At that time, we were playing six nights a week. So, um, he said, Are all the clubs like this? We said, Yeah, yeah. So he was like, Okay, well, cool, we, we need to work this out. So we signed uh, two Uptown Records, and they wanted from what they told us. They wanted a go-go group. Once we got to Uptown Records, we started sending them records, sending them songs, and you know, um, and they kept saying, well, no, it's got too much of this or too much of that. What that all boiled down to was they didn't want a strictly go-go record. They wanted a hip-hop go-go record. Mm. So at the same time that Andre signed us, he hired Puffy. Diddy 
as his oh, yeah, A&R director because he was going to Howard. And we already knew him because Diddy used to be a dancer for a rapper here called Vinny D. Oh, uh, 50, D. $50, $55 yeah. Motel. Yeah. It, it was it was Vinny D in the NY3. Oh, yeah. Uh, Diddy was one of the NY3. Okay. So um, um, he hired him and kind of put us together. And, mm. and, and we said, um, okay, well, you know, we recorded all these songs, go-go songs, and they didn't, every song that we sent up, they didn't like, no, it got too much of this. So he got too much of that. So we were like, well, look, it's, um, you know, it's, we, it's been a while since we recorded a record, since we released the record and right. we need to release new music down in DC to make sure that we're still, you know, keep can work. That momentum, keep that momentum. Right. Cause you got EU so out said, here, Trouble Funk, Chuck. And it was competition yeah. is stiff. Stiff, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we were like, uh, uh, we need uh, permission to release a record. So they was like, yeah, 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 go ahead. Which one are you gonna do? So we we said, well, we sent y'all lock it. We sent it to them three times, as a matter of fact, and they didn't want it. We said the the, the song lock it that you that you don't like. Everybody here likes that song. I was about that's what. Yeah, <laughs> that was, everybody that's here a, likes that song. Yeah, yeah. So we were like, can we release that? They were like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So we put the song out immediately. That song started getting radio play. Immediately. Couldn't so, go nowhere without hearing that song here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I called him up. I was like, yo, you know, the, the radio stations love this song. Mm. You know, do y'all want to do something with it? He was like, well, we'll see. So then as the song started to spread, I mean, D.C., Richmond, North Carolina, South Carolina, right, right. Atlanta, Pennsylvania, even parts of New York, um, we're calling them, hey, we got five stations playing a record. We got 15 gotcha. stations playing a record. We got 25 stations playing this record. We just need y'all to come in and help spread it across the country. And they were like, yeah, okay, we, 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 we'll get to you. But they were in the middle of, at that time, Albie Shaw was 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 really big. They were in the middle of finishing up Jodeci's album. They were finishing up Father MC's Father album. MC. They, were, they were finishing up Heavy D's second album. They had signed Mary J. Blige, and they were working on her record. They had a rap group, a female rap group called Finesse and Quest. They they, they so they had a bunch of stuff. Andre got his. Jeff he got Red, the uh, you know I mean? Jeff Red. He 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 got the he got like a fifty million dollar distribution deal with MCA, MCA Records, and then he was developing uh, the Strictly Business movie, which the original title for that movie is called Go Natalie. It wasn't oh, Strictly Business at I first. Had no idea. Was, I never knew. It that. was called Go Natalie. A lot of people don't know that. I it was called Go. That. Go That's Natalie. an exclusive. That is an you, exclusive, right, man. Right. Right. So. Um, so he was in the middle of all of that. So he, his mind was everywhere. And we, you know, kept going to him saying, look, Andre, we need to do something here, you know? And in this time, we also had other labels calling us, mm. saying, hey, we like your record, what you want to do? I mean, we got calls from Warner Brothers, from Atlantic, from Electra, from uh, 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 the label that run the profile. 
from Select Records. We we got calls from all of those people saying, "We love your song. What are y'all gonna do?" So we told um, we told him, "Well, we signed it Uptown." It was like, "Well, what is Andre gonna do?" We said, "Oh, we hope he puts it out, but we don't know." And um, uh, we ended up just you know keep going on with the record, and then after a while, it was clear that they didn't really want a go-go band. They wanted a go-go hip-hop band. Mm. And that's not who we were. We didn't know how to do that. We didn't know how to do that. They they paired us with a couple of producers, uh, uh, a hip-hop producer and an R&B, uh, R&B producer. And, um, but it never, it that never developed into anything. So we ultimately asked for a release from the label because it seemed like they weren't going to do anything and they were just holding on to us. And they said, okay, well y'all go ahead then. And and we left. Okay. Now, now Lockett, like I said, I remember Lockett coming. I remember hearing Lockett like maybe 89, but then boom, it's on a strictly business soundtrack. So did, do you feel like that uh, increased the popularity of the song? How did y'all feel when y'all found out that it's going to be released on the, on the soundtrack? Because it was already a huge song here in DC. In, in the, the right. area, you know. Right. So that Strictly Business soundtrack did absolutely nothing for Lockett because they didn't even use the original version. They had Herbie Love, Love Bug, Bug. Yeah. who was the producer of Salt, Salt and Pepper, Pepper, who had nothing but go-go records at that time. Yeah. <laughs> this is my son. It's, it's a legend right here. This is awesome. Hello, right. Mr. Andre. What's up? Andre How you Johnson. Doing? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. Hold on. Let me finish this interview, man. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no problem, man. No problem. So um, they had Herbie Lovebug to come in and produce the song instead of just putting it on the soundtrack and releasing it. So he changed it. And yeah. his thing oh. was, yeah, his thing was, I'm giving... MCA what I think they want. You know, they didn't want they didn't want to use the original version, so I'm gonna give them what I think they want. And he told he's he he was like, look, I don't know why they're calling me. They should right. just put this song on the album. Exactly. Herbie, because Herbie was a huge go-go fan. Right, Herbie right. used to come down here and talk about that. Come, hold on, hold on. You gotta yeah. talk about that because Salt and Pepper was heavily influenced by Go Go. Yeah, Herbie heavily. was. Herbie, Herbie was the. He was. I mean, the, absolutely in right, love. Right, right. Yeah, Herbie was absolutely in yeah. love with Go Go. Herbie yeah. would come here, and he said, "When he come out, when he want to come out with us, mm-hmm. Herbie comes out and says, uh, hey, man, look, come pick me up early.'" Because I want to just go to the go-go and just be mm. there. Whoa. You know, even before y'all start playing, I just want to be in the atmosphere. So he would do that a lot. Uh, 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 every time he would come here, I'd have to go pick him up. Uh, like we worked in the studio together a lot of times. Um, uh, didn't really put a record out, but we, we okay. worked together a lot of times. So every time he would come here, he would just fall in love with go-go. I mean, he, he would be in the club, all around the club. Talking to the bartenders, talking to the yeah. photographer. He just t- talking to the DJ, talking to the people. He talking about the, the, chap- the chapter, the RSVP club, and <laughs> chapter RSVP, yeah. the East Side. The East He's loving oh. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He I, I know. 
I know like a lot of uh, salt and pepper uh, music is you know heavily influenced by by um by go go like uh mm-hmm. what's uh it's your thing with EU and I can go I can go on and on but well again, the very my mic sounds nice the very Mike, first song that's, that's a, a go go song that's they claim fact. it's a hip it's but that has a whole lot of go go in it that's you know they they I forgot the sample that they use but but that, that's a go go song. Okay. Okay. Now you guys were also, you know, um, I mentioned uh fantasy records. What you know, uh, you guys also had like a a small. You you guys were on fantasy records for a, a, a short period. What was that? A uh, so was that, like? that was the that was the very first record deal that we had. That was back in '81 when Body Moves came out. Um, Body Moves did so well that they called us and said, "Yo, we like this song. We want to pick it up." So we said, "Okay, cool." And while we were in the middle of finishing up the album deal for them. Um, They started making a bunch of, they had picked the record up and they started distributing the song across the country. Okay. So it started to show up on the charts a little. Um, But then they wanted us to stop playing as much as we were playing in the city. They also wanted to record everything that we've done, including rehearsals and, and all that. So they just became a bit too. And, and that's probably the way the record business was at that time. But it, they they wanted to be involved Everything. too much on the on the local end. Mm. We didn't really need them for that. We needed right. them to be able to push the record out. So yeah. what we said was, look, um, we don't think this is going to work because all that you're asking for, you, you're getting involved in this. We don't need no help here. We need help outside of here. Right. And that's right. what we were depending on you guys for. But you want to control by stopping us from playing. We, I mean, if we stop playing, then somebody else is going to take our position. Okay. You know, okay. and, and we couldn't do that. Okay. So we okay. just we asked to leave that label. Mm. Mm. So I want to I want to back up for a second. I remember we, we, we just got finished talking about um Andre Harrell and his vision of what he thought um red essence was and yet um things of that nature so do you my, my question i pose to you do you think a lot of times these record executive record executives they don't really have like a appreciation for what we do here as far as the the the, the, the go-go genre you know do they do that you think they really understand go-go do they understand how to market it like what's your thoughts on that no, they don't. They don't understand how to market it. They don't understand what it is um, because they weren't raised in the city. They weren't around it enough to know. And they didn't trust us enough to to be able to do it ourselves. The, uh, Puffy told me that. he was He gave me some of the best advice ever. He was like, I'm not going to front on you. I don't know what to do with y'all. Andre don't trust y'all enough to do it. So what we need to do is figure out a way to get him to let y'all do what y'all do. And he just, just uh, uh, promote it and distribute it. Just let the record company do the record company in. He said, but let, but let y'all produce the songs and then put it out there. He said, but until we do that, I mean, nothing's going to really happen here. Which is one of the things that made us say, well, look, maybe we shouldn't be here because 
they keep trying to change us to, to something that they understand. But if we do that, then we lose home base and we couldn't mm. afford to do that. Hell no. Nah. Hell nah. We could not afford to do that. Okay. Okay. So let's, 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 let's go uh, fast forward. 1992. Huge year for y'all. By this time, uh, Funk is gone. Benny is gone. Um, but you guys are still killing it here in the city. Like, again, mm-hmm. you guys are the marquee uh, group, you know, here in the city. One of the marquee groups here in the city. And mm-hmm. you guys drop arguably one of your greatest albums ever. The Work the Walls album, which featured, mm-hmm. you know, the title track. Uh, I Got That Feeling, Spotlight. Um so many hits mm-hmm. on that album. What was it like putting that album together? And what did you think about the reception that you guys received during that time? Because I remember watching that on video jukebox and yeah. hearing all the songs in the radio. You know, yeah. you're down at Haynes Point, all the cars blasting it. Like, no matter where you go here in the city, whether, you know, the farms, MLK, whatever, it's mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. What, what was your yeah. thoughts on, on, on that particular album right there? That that was uh that was a really great album. That was a great feeling. Oddly enough, most of the songs on that album were the yeah. songs that we recorded for Uptown. Lock oh. it, work the walls. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I got that feeling. Uh, the, yeah. the slow song Sharana that's on there. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, BJ uh, Byron oh. Jackson. Uh, that's that's his song. He wrote and produced that song. You know, rest in peace going out to BJ. Rest in peace, BJ. So, rest in peace, BJ. Yeah. So, so that album could have very well been released on Uptown Records. And had they released it and marketed it like yeah. they did, you know, Heavy D and Jodeci, right, right. then we, this could be a whole different conversation right here, you know, because we felt like that record really had legs, that, that whole album. Yeah. Has oh, some legs to be able to, to to be able to take off on. So that, since they didn't, mm, since I'm they sorry, didn't want to do thinking. it, <laughs> yeah. nah. so I'm just thinking they, how great that how great of a damn album. Was. I just recently saw that on Amazon. That album mm, was like I think like a hundred and eighty nine dollars for that CD. Wow, <laughs> that's what wow. I saw. That's what my two eyes saw. But go ahead, go ahead. Okay. So so um, because. Um, that record was so well received. I mean, by this time we had learned a little bit more about how to promote and produce and distribute records. Um, So we, we knew that, okay, we need to do a video. Mm -hmm. So we did actually did the work the walls video first. Lockett was already out, but we did the work the walls video first release that came back and did a video for Lockett. Where y'all shoot those, uh, those, those two videos at, by the way? So one, the Work the Walls video was in this alley downtown uh, in between two government buildings. That was early in the morning that okay. we did that. Later on that night, we shot the other part at the Black Hole. Oh, okay. A Celebrity yeah. Hall. Uh, the stage shots and all of that. Right. And the girls on the wall. That's the wall in Celebrity Hall. I always, always so, wondered. I was wondering where was that at? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the Celebrity Hall. Okay, um, and there may have been uh, one or two other locations okay. that we did. I can't think of right now. So gotcha. that that's that's where we did that. Locket was shot in this 
it was this this dusty warehouse. It was an abandoned building, really, mm-hmm. um, that they somehow found, and they and they they allowed us to come in and set up everything. and And when you look at the video, you can see that the 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 room is abandoned. There's a lot of dust around. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's some wood pieces missing over here and over there. <laughs> but but the director was like, "No, nah, this is a cool space for us to do." And then the second part of it was at the Capitol Center. Oh, the, the, the live the, the the live stage shots that we did that was at the Capitol Center. Um, wow. I forgot which show we had done there, but we okay. were we had a show planned already, yeah. and then they 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 let us come out there and and do some shots, and that that was great in itself because when you see that and you see the scope of what is going on in that you know yeah, yeah, th- this yeah. band in front of all of these people in a major arena, mm-hmm. then that, that that was a really good look right there. No doubt, no doubt. Like I said, man, 1992, man, y'all killed it. Y'all, that, that album, man, if you guys haven't heard it, check out that Work, uh, Work the Walls album. It's a classic. Wherever you can find it, I'm telling you, from beginning to end, nothing but hits on that thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so here we go. Um, I wanna I wanna talk about something like I mentioned earlier, funk left. Mm-hmm. And you seem to step up to the plate as the as the lead guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that like, you know, after funk left and here you are not just playing the good, you know, playing lead guitar, but now you are at the mic. And mm-hmm. what was that like? Were you reluctant? You know, how uh what was the reception? Talk about that transition from being uh, uh, Andre the guitar player to now, you at the mic now. Showtime. Mm-hmm. So I was very reluctant. Very not just reluctant, very reluctant. There were some times where I told him, "I'm not going out there. I'm not doing it." <laughs> you know, because at that time, Funk was the MVP. Everybody wanted to see Funk, yeah, yeah, and yeah. including me. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to be up there trying to do a, a James Funk impersonation because the pe- these people are not going to like it. And for the first few months, they didn't. Mm. What helped us to really get through that was um, Don L came first and said, look, man, I know you don't want to do it. So <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to help wherever I can. Mm. He said, you just let me know what I need to do. So me and him developed what I call a tag team type of thing. Okay. You know, he started to d- d- develop more as a rapper. Rapper, yep. And and um and I was developing as the lead mic guy. You know, mm. just doing my best James Funk and Lil Benny stuff. That's right. <laughs> that's what I was doing pretty <laughs> much. You know, but the chemistry that Donnell and I built up, that seemed to work. Mm. for a newer, younger audience. So as some people started to leave, we were starting to get new people. Yep. Yeah, uh, 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 a younger audience. And that's what helped to sustain us through all of that time. <clears throat> We've always known that you have to constantly be bringing people in mm. because some people are, go- are, are gonna you know, phase out or move on right. or whatever. That's so. Enough. That's that's what we decided that we were going to do. 
we want to try to focus on having a new younger audience that was can't that that had come up on on us and what we were doing at the time. Right. And uh, at first, we weren't sure that it was going to work. But yeah. then after a, after a few weeks, you know, things started to make sense. And then we started to get some of the people in the audience to say, hey, man, I love the new stuff that y'all are doing. Um, keep that going. So that right there is what helped me from, kept me from getting discouraged because I was like, man, these people don't want, you know, <laughs> they want to hear funk. They want to hear one on one. They want to hear Lil Benny. They want to yeah, hear yeah. Uh, you know all that stuff there. But when when we, I had a few people to come to me and say that, I was like, okay, maybe this will work out. And then as time went on, we saw that it did work out. The rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. So here we are. You know, um, a lot of bands are coming up around us. Our newer bands. We got uh, the Backyard Band. Northeast mm-hmm. Groovers, Huckabucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Air Ray was a little bit before that, but I, I can go on and on. We got newer bands mm-hmm. are coming up, but you guys are still cranking out the hits mm-hmm. and, and you're still killing it here in the city. And then the fall of 1994. Yep. And we lost one of the greatest drummers in, 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 in DC and in music history, I, I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about Quentin Foots Davison and what was it like, you know, working with that brother? And can you can you tell tell us your last memories of him? You know, so he um, I'd been knowing Foots since, you know, I was in the fifth grade. He was in the sixth grade. So before the band, I knew him because we were all at St. Thomas More together Um he lived one block over from us on Xenia Street. Mm. We lived on in Linda Poland. He lived on Xenia Street. So we would, yeah, yeah. We would all work, walk down Barnaby Street together going to school. We would kind of meet up there and walk to school down to St. Thomas More. So I knew him before then. But um, working with him, Foots was always a, a, a thinker. Hmm. He always thought, um, I, I remember telling him, you know, when this is the time when everybody was trying to show off their chops. I was like, look, why don't you throw some extra rolls in there? Why don't you do something? He's like, that's not what these people are here to see. And and I was like, yeah, but I mean, just throw one or two. I mean, he said, I'll do one or two, but we can't do that all night because the main thing that we should be doing is making sure those people are dancing. He said, once you start doing all this other stuff and interrupt them dancing, they ain't going to want to see you no more. Mm, So one night I was I was just bugging him. I was like, yo, come on, come on. So he doing all these roles, doing all these roles. And then all of a sudden people started standing there looking like what's going on. And he said, see what I'm talking about? And I was like, (laughs) all right, I'm going to shut up from now on. I ain't saying (laughs) nothing else about that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you go ahead on. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he was he was he was a real good. He was a thinking guy. You know, if there's a problem, how do you fix it? He don't mm-hmm. dwell on the problem. It's like, all right, that happened. Now, what do we do? Mm-hmm. You know, and those are the type of people that you need to help push you forward. So um, I always appreciate him. We always we I mean, of course, we miss him, you know, miss him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 it, I mean, he was just a great guy. 
He's a really good he's, guy. He's one of the, you know, one of the glues that, that I felt like I personally absolutely. felt like that held you guys together, you know, like he the absolutely was. Mm -hmm. of the group. So yep. let's let's um speaking of that, you know, uh, uh again, I hate to a lot of people don't want to talk about this, you know. And when I watch interviews, like I uh, watch uh, guys interview artists such as yourself that are, you know, part of the the, the go go genre, but we cannot um, talk about go go without talking about some of the violence that erupted during the. I say the. I can't. I don't really know when it started, but when did you realize, like? Man, it's starting to be a little. It's starting to get violent in some of these venues. And did you ever feel like, like, when did that come into play? And did you ever feel like this could be, this could be problem problematic if this if this continues? So, uh, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, right at the when the crack epidemic was really starting to. Uh, 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 take over the city. That's when all of that stuff started to happen. You know, that's when it was a lot of turf battles. Um, this crew didn't like that crew, but they all end up at the same party. So when, you know, two groups are beefing, you see your man, they're going to go at them, you know, and then when you get outside, everybody got a gun. So that's when all of the gunplay came into in, in, into into effect. So it was it was difficult for us because during that time we got a lot of blame from the city, the city and the police. They thought that if you shut them down, you shut the violence down. But that wasn't it. Right. And we tried to tell them they, but they they wouldn't listen. We tried to tell them it's not us. We're not in there telling people, go out there and shoot this person or go shoot. We don't sing none of those type of songs. Right. We're saying, when you leave, please leave carefully. Okay. You know, fellas, get the ladies home safe. Make yeah. sure you go away from here. Go home or go somewhere else, but don't hang around outside. Because as soon as something kicks off, we know that we're going to get the blame. Get the blame yeah. So uh, a, a lot of it was, was, was just the crap crack ep ep epidemic, you know, spilling over into other, uh, into the streets and into the, the parties and into the malls and into, I mean, it was just everywhere. Yeah, because I always felt like, you know, Go-Go got a bad rap because um, during that time, I remember reading about stuff in the Washington Post and hearing stuff on the mm -hmm. news, but I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is not fair. Like, you guys are not part of these gangs. You guys just shouting out different you know, uh, different sections of the city where we from, you know, Linda Pole, right. Murray mm -hmm. Farm, CTU, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, we, mm -hmm. we, we have, you know, DC is a very territorial city. We, we proud of right. certain areas where we from. Yep. And, and, and that's all it is. It ain't, it don't, it, mm -hmm. it, it's not about, Oh, serves them court is this. And, you know, Shipley terrorists, this is just, we just be proud from where we from. Wasn't, wasn't no bad blood or anything like that as far as you guys. So right. I just, that was, that's, I always wanted to ask, um, a brother like yourself as as a you know a, a member of, of a go-go band because I've seen I, I, it seems like a lot of when I watch interviews people kind of avoid these questions mm -hmm. and and they don't want to ask you guys this and I don't and I don't know why but I'm like man I'm I want I want I want to know you guys input because I know that you guys intentions um was 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 sincere 
what you guys put out was for the people and it was all love you know and i from when i see you yeah. when i see you guys today it's the same thing you know? yeah yeah i mean it, it it is um back in that time we had to go through some extraordinary security measures to even have you know certain parties we were the first ones to have a uh airport style metal detector when you when you walk through it and it beeps right. they had that at the black hole they had it at the metro club so we were the first ones to bring that in they and then after you go through the metal detector you have to get wand if you go through and it beeps and they wand you and it beeps and they send you back through one more time if it beeps that third time you can't get in because you have something on you that we don't know what it is and it's right. metal. So you can't come in right, right. Um, unless you go and put that away, you come back and, and then you might be all good. But we were the first ones to do that. We were the first ones to have, you know, a police detail before they were even called a detail. We would hire off duty cops to sit outside to help escort people away. And we wanted them there in their police cars so they could see that if you start something, the police is right here, so you right. might get caught. And this was all in an attempt to try to help save our business because no. there, there was a lot of times the city would, you know, kind of tell people, you know, if you're going to be having them go-go shows, we might not renew your liquor license mm, or you might have man. problems. And, you know, in a club without a liquor license, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not exactly. going to survive. No doubt, no doubt. So uh, it, it was a lot of that type of stuff going on, but we did everything that we could to try to combat the violence and, and, and all of that stuff. But I mean, we, there's only so much that we could do. Mm, okay. Okay. So like I said, you guys um, around this time, you guys are performing at um, all, all the, the, the major clubs in the city. But again, it's, it's, it's the crack epidemic and it's, and it's, and it's, yeah. and, it's, and, it's and it is problematic. So, but what I want to ask you is how were you able to like balance performing, rehearsing, creating songs, coming up with new material? Like how how was it doing all of that amidst those turbulent times or whatever was what was going on uh, in the city at that time? See, most of that violence and all of that stuff was never directed toward us. Right. It was directed toward other people in the street that all came to see us. So we had to try to referee some people. Yo, yo, uh, uh, don't get into nothing with this crowd. We, we heard that y'all were beefing. If you coming in, you know, y'all both of y'all in here, please don't start anything. It's been nice with focus pleading with people. Mm. Please don't start anything while you're in here. Uh, uh, myself and Donnell have done the same thing. Please don't start anything, you know, because what's going to happen is we're going to get kicked out. And then where you going to go? You know, you ain't going to have no place to party. So just let's just try everybody try to be cool, you know, and and certain times they would respect us. They would be all right. You know, they want to get into something in the club, but they would be like, all right, no, nah, I ain't, ain't going to do nothing. Yet. I ain't going to start nothing to party. But as soon as they get outside, it's on. You know, yeah. so so um, we, you know, we just did our best to try to get through those times and try to help to, you know, calm cert certain situations down, um, uh, you know, so we did what we could. 
No doubt, no doubt. So now you guys are, you guys are, like I said, you guys are still um, traveling, all, you know, all the planet, all the, all the, the, the big clubs in the city. But what I want to know is, like, what was some of the uh, markets, some of your biggest markets outside of uh, the DC area? Because I know people, I got family members that that know about you guys in Atlanta, know about mm-hmm. you guys in North Carolina, Fayetteville. So what would you know? What 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 markets did you guys travel to outside of the, the DC metropolitan area? All of those spots we did. Uh, we would go up to Philly. We had a, a Philly was a, a good go-go market. Uh, right. Certain parts of New Jersey, not mm. necessarily New York. Some 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 of New York knew what was going on, but that was the 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 thing between uh, uh, go-go and hip-hop at that time. People, people, you know, the hip-hop heads hated go-go, so they, they wasn't going to do anything to support it. But going south, Richmond, uh, the Tidewater area, all of North Carolina, all of South Carolina, and most of Georgia, particularly Atlanta, and yeah. even over to, uh, over to Alabama and Whoa. up to Kentucky. They, they wow. were all... They were all, you know, uh, very into the music. They were wow. really into it. Wow. So you guys, so so during that time, you was tra- you guys were traveling to Kentucky and Alabama, like back in the nineties. We we did we did a lot of East Coast stuff um, from Philly down through Atlanta. Um, okay. We've done everybody's. I think just about everybody's homecoming. We did uh, North Carolina A and T's homecoming three or four times. We did uh, uh, Central's homecoming two or three times. We mm. did Virginia State's homecoming a couple of times. Virginia Union, Hampton, uh, it, it was Hampton Institute at the time. We, right, right. We've, done, we've done that. You know, wow. uh, Clark Atlanta, we've done all of the homecomings. So yeah. so we, we, we traveled up and down a lot. Yeah, I know people from Atlanta. Um, I, I lived in Atlanta for like maybe about five or six years. And I know people mm-hmm. from Atlanta that love go-go damn near. Like, I like go-go. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I was I was surprised. Like, I never, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, I ain't know y'all know about RE and groups yeah. and this. And I, was, I, mm-hmm. was, I was surprised, man. That was crazy. So, so look, yeah. uh, I want to ask you this. Like, I, one thing I noticed about go-go, we have this, but it's, there's certain songs that are huge in the city but they're not accepted, you know, like nationally and vice mm-hmm. versa. What do you, why do you think it's so hard to, for us to get songs or to, uh, for us to promote uh, this genre where it's accepted, not just from uh, people nationwide, but from people within the city? Because it seems like when a song gets big, people in the city, like, ah, you know how you, you know how it is. Like I don't. I never understood that about us here in DC. I, I just. I, I can go on and on and, and, and talk about certain songs and certain bands, but I never understood that. Why is it? Why do you feel like it's that way? You know, I, I, I'm not sure why that happens. Honestly, I, I know what you're talking about. I'm not really sure why that happens, but it seemed like, you know, once a song is coming up, people, you know, are really on it. But then once it blows up, it seems like they don't, they on to the next thing now. You know, I ain't on that no more. I'm on to the, you know, this next. It's song. only here, Andre. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's only here. Like mm-hmm. I lived in Atlanta. I lived in, I lived in other places in, in in this country. And when their songs take off, they support it. They embrace it's it. Cool. But, but mm-hmm. here, 
it seems like once something blows up, it's like I. I so I always mm-hmm. wanted to get your get your take on that. Yeah, I, I don't understand why that happens, and it's it's a shame that it does because if it were the other way, like the other cities do, yes. like New York, New York and Atlanta and in yeah. Houston and L.A. and all those, if it was wow. like that, then GoGo would be definitely mm. nationally accepted. No I mean, because there would be more people. Yeah, there would be more people talking about it and more people out there helping to promote it um, as opposed to just a certain section of people, you know, talking about this. And then these people over here don't even know what you're talking about. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you, you're 100 percent correct in, in, in that regard. So um, I'm going to fast forward again. 1999, mm-hmm. 98, 99. You guys put out um, you guys put out one of my my favorite songs another one of my favorite songs i think you already know where i'm about to go uh get at mm-hmm. the overnight scenario at this time backyard huckabucks all these groups is coming out but you just bam again just smack mm-hmm. them right again with, with a banger <laughs> arguably arguably your biggest song in, in my opinion that's probably you guys biggest mm-hmm. song so There's what was it them. talk, talk definitely one of them so talk about uh um the the making of that song and I know Jay Z had a, he, he ended up sampling it, and y'all you guys had a little situation. So talk about that the, the making of that song and how you guys resolve that situation. Well, what we would do is um, we get in, and uh, a lot of times we knew um, Donnell was always big on hey, we gotta we gotta get back in the studio and we gotta because he was doing a lot of producing back then. Him, okay. him and uh, Funky Ned they were doing a lot yeah. of producing, so. He would say, yo, we need to get in and, and, and do some do some new songs. And he was thinking of a he was saying, I, I need a it's a hook that I've been trying to put together. And we he, he would, you know, run it around, run it, run it, run it until he finally got it the way he wanted it. Gotcha. And once he did, um, and we played it for the audience. From the first time he said that part, the three in the morning, the pancake, for, after he got to the end of it, just getting home, talking about the overnight scenario, scenario people went crazy for it. Well, y'all, when, like, did y'all All right. when did y'all, you remember when y'all, like, the first so, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the first, the first venue that we did it at, but, but I just remember the people going crazy for the song. So I was like, all right, let's do that again. <laughs> and then we went back and it's all yeah. started to formulate into, into what it became. Um, so it was uh it was a really it was Shout a real big Dale, song man. for us. Yeah, yeah. D Floyd, yes, sir. Yeah. Nah, so so um I think later on that year, early 2099, 2000, Jay-Z sampled it on um, you know, portions uh, of that song on Do It Again. So what was y'all thoughts when you guys first heard that? And I know there was a little, there was a situation, but, you know, my uh, this is a two-part question. What was y'all thoughts when y'all first heard that song? And how did you guys, you know, finally resolve that, that you know, that matter? So w- when we heard the song, we were like, okay, he obviously heard 
It was obvious. He was very obvious. <laughs> yeah. So um what what we did was, I mean, everybody in the city was mad about that. You know, everybody <laughs> everybody was mad about that because he just came and 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 took the whole format, you know, took the whole format. Um, so he did his own words, and instead of starting at three, started at twelve. Um, and instead of the pancake house, it's the waffle house. Right, right. You know, but but there are clear similarities between clear. the two. Right, no you doubt. Know, clear similarities. But what ended up happening was, you know, we never sued him. People were talking about, well. They sued Jay-Z and they got all this money. We never sued him. Mm. We never sued him. We talked to a couple of lawyers and they led us to believe that, you know, there's really not too much that you can do about that because he didn't take your exact words and you can't be the only one that's singing about numbers. So we said, well, it ain't really about the numbers. It's about the similarity in the way he did everything. Pattern. He, yeah. As he said, it's the exact same amount of numbers, you know, from from this part to that part. And it, he clearly heard the song. So they didn't want to take the case. We went to three different lawyers. They didn't want to take the case. So we ended up not being able to do anything because we're thinking, OK, well. They would know. And we told them who it was. This is Jay-Z. This is Def Jam Records. So most lawyers, if they see a big pile of money somewhere, they want to try to go get it. And the fact that they didn't even want to be bothered with it. One lawyer even brought up, well, it, it's almost the same as the one, two, three, four, four o'clock rock, five, six. And I was like, no, that's totally different. Right. They singing about numbers, but there's right. a different they have a different flow about it. He used the same flow that we used. And it was like, well, we don't think there's a case here. So then we ended up saying, okay, well, never mind. We, you know, we won't get to it. Hey, so Jay, there's been stuff, there's it. been stuff out there. There's been a lot of stuff saying that yeah. we sued him and we got some money and we none of that ever happened. So the wreck for the wreckage, you guys never got because you know, again, I heard the rumors just like you said, just mm -hmm. like you heard them. It's for the for the record, you guys never sued him and nothing like that. We never sued him. We we never got we talked to Def Jam Records yeah. and said, what is this? And they yeah. were like, well, they do their own thing. We right, just right, right. uh distribute and promote for them, but they do their own thing. So okay. Like, okay. Okay. So look, um, about to get ready to uh, wrap this interview up. I know I've had you here for a while. <laughs> I got I got a shout true. out. I got a shout out, my brother. Uh, killer cow for putting this thing yeah. together first of all yes, sir. and i know you guys you just uh added him to the uh the, to the lineup you guys add uh added the legendary smoke from uh northeast groovers yeah man um hey man you guys are like a super band so what's the lineup looking like now in, in, in 2021 so uh yeah killer cow um um that, that dude is just i mean it's Talk it's, about it's talk great. About it. It's it's <laughs> great to have somebody of his caliber. No doubt. But the guy is incredibly humble. Super. You know, he he he's he has all the reason 
to have a little bit of an ego, but he's, he ain't like that at all. You know, he's, he's real cool with it. He's like, I, right, yeah, it's whatever, whatever y'all want to do, let's do it. Let's go. That that's always his attitude. And I love having that because any situation that you in, he's ready for it. No doubt. I mean, anytime we up there playing, if we feeling something, we got a groove going. I just look over at him and he was like, oh, you, you want, you need something, no doubt. you know, let me get in here. And he jumps in and, you know, he does it with, with, with no effort seems like, um, with smoke. I, I, you know, I, I, I was telling people uh, a couple of months ago, I think that I'm probably one of the luckiest guys in go-go. Yeah, that surprised me right there. Yeah. yeah because, <laughs> because I've had the opportunity to be in a band with Jungle Boogie, with Go-Go Mickey, oh, Mickey. <laughs> and with Smoke. And with Smoke. Three of the unquestionable. Three the of the, the, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, those guys there. Now, there are a lot of other good Congo players course, out there. Of course, of course, of but course. But these guys here. About Rushmore. Let's 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 let's, oh, man. let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. The hundred. These guys are on the pantheon. Yeah. The Mount yeah. Rushmore of percussion Congo players. Let's, Absolutely, those three guys yeah. are there. I'm not sure who else would be, but those three guys are there. Yeah, yeah, you know, they no question. So I I feel incredibly lucky to be able to be in the band with all three of them. I mean, it's yeah. great. No doubt, no doubt. So it's um, great. Go 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 2021. It's it's seemed like it's in a weird place. Like when I go to see you guys perform, the excitement is there, the music is fresh, the violence is no longer there, you know. Right. But the only thing that I would that I personally like would love to see change would be the youth come back to it. Like when we were kids, like like you mentioned earlier, in DC, it was go go. R&B and hip hop. Mm-hmm. Go Go was number one when I was a kid. Yeah, and right. I just, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what do you, like, pragmatically speaking, what do you think that we can do as a, as a, as a community, as a Go Go community, to 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 bring back a lot of the, the young kids back to Go Go, like it was when 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 I was younger. So so I think that um, some of it. Is there they the groups like uh, uh TCB, TOB, XIB, your impressions, all of those groups there, they have their own young audience, which is good. But um, I think what Gogo needs to do is start releasing more material, more records for the uh, uh for people to to be able to buy and listen to, and they need to release a lot more original songs original go-go songs to give people something. So back in the eighties and nineties, every, we kept releasing songs. I mean, That's we would do fact. cover songs, but we always released original, original songs, songs. No, no to, to, because um, Andre Harrell told us, he was like, yo, we, I know y'all can play anybody else's song. I heard mm-hmm. you do it, but what songs do you have? Mm. So, that that's always been the thing. It's like, well, you know, as far as, you know, writing and publishing is concerned, if you record somebody else's record, somebody else is getting that money. You know, you have to, 
make sure that you're recording stuff that you could get money off of. Right. So that's what we've always tried to do. And that's what I think uh, uh, is needed from uh, GoGo as a whole right, right now. Um, not just the young bands, but everybody, young bands, the, the, the veteran bands, everybody else, they need to be releasing uh, new material. Now, it's easy to get your material out there. It's way easier now to get it out there Talk than it was that. back then. Because right now, you don't need a record company. All you need is an iTunes account. You know, you And once you put it on iTunes, it's worldwide. It's not just in your neighborhood. People in New Zealand can look up Rare Essence right now and listen to some Rare Essence records. They yeah. just need to know that the record is there for them to listen to. So exactly. as far as the marketing and promotion of the of the music, that needs to be stepped up way up. You need to step that way up uh, to make more people aware of it. And the more people to get aware of it, the more uh, opportunities it that may come. Okay. For um for us to uh, be able to travel to different cities and expose more people to it, um and and that's what it should be about to me, exposing other people to it so you can get a bigger audience. It's not about leaving the city and forgetting right. about DC. Any go-go band is never going to forget about DC. Mm-hmm. That no, I don't know no not one go-go band that would leave here and go move somewhere else to 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 be in another city trying to play go-go because yeah. this is the mecca of go-go Hell yeah! this is where it started from these are the people that understand it and love it the most exactly. so that's the audience that you want mm. so if we can somehow figure out a way to promote uh uh and publicize go-go on a broader scale then i think it'll be better for everybody all go-go bands now Speaking of that, do you think like, and I heard this in an interview, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm actually borrowed this question and I saw an interview that you did with, um, ah, I forgot the uh, the white boy's name, no no offense. <laughs> Matter of fact, it, was, it wasn't with you, but I believe it was, it was with um, Gogo Mickey, but he asked this question. I, I wanna give him credit because I don't like stealing questions or whatever, but I wanna give him, him credit for this question. But the question that he asked Gogo Mickey was, um, do you, uh, would you do you consider do you have to be a part of a band to actually be go-go? Can you have like a go-go artist? Or do you, you know, because I remember we had like Stinky Dink and you know, like yep. guys like that. But so so I posed that question to you. Do you actually feel like you have to have a band to have to, to, to be go-go? No, you don't. You don't. You can be a singer singing go-go records, you can be a rapper rapping over go-go records, you can be an instrumentalist just right. playing a, a go-go instrumental. Um, as a matter of fact, that's what the music needs, more diversity. It doesn't just all have to be bands. It can be singers or male and female singers or rappers. or It can be any of that um, because the pocket is going to be the pocket. Pocket's going to be the pocket. That, that's, what, that's, what, that's where Go-Go lies, Try in that before. pocket. Yeah. 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 So yeah. if you sing in over that pocket and it's just you, I mean, mm-hmm. Jill Scott did it a few times. Ooh, long, long yeah. walk. Yeah, but she, damn near half that. Half that. Uh, that that that. Uh, who is Jill Scott? Album is Go Go Influence. She is a big Go Go fan. Mm-hmm. 
She's a big Go-Go fan. So she, I mean, big enough to include it on her first album. So, uh, I mean, and there's a lot of people around in different parts of the cities, a lot of famous people that love Go-Go music. They love the Go-Go feel. Um, when we did the record with Snoop, we were surprised that Snoop knew so much Talk about, about that. Go-Go. So let's, let's go. Let, now that we hit, now we hit, that's going to be my next question. Now that we hit, talk about that collaboration with, with, with Snoop. Like, how did you guys come together putting this, uh, uh, putting this classic song together, man? Like, so Snoop, uh, out in LA one day, uh, okay. riding around, and he posted an Instagram. Uh, he had put an Instagram post up of him riding, listening to "Hey Buddy Buddy." Remember that? I remember that. So once he did that, and and the internet on the internet, they can make you seem like you're doing anything. So right, while right. he's riding and listening, I'm thinking, all right, he ain't really listening to the song. Somebody else just put the song on oh, on this video. video. And and he's just riding around. But then there's a part in the song where Funk says, oh, you ready now, ain't you? And Snoop said, oh, you ready now, ain't you? I was like, oh, wow. I was like, he's really listening to the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not only did he listen to it, if you watch the video, you see him lean over and turn it up. Yeah, yeah. So he was feeling it. Yeah, so he was feeling it. He, yeah. tur- he turned it up. So what I did was I contacted my guy, it's a, uh, a, a guy is from here. He's the VP of uh, of uh, promotions at Interscope Records. Okay. Um, friend of ours, we've been knowing him for 25 years. He's a huge Go-Go fan and he's born and raised here. So, you know, he's a homie. Gotcha. I called him. I was like, yo, did you see the post from Snoop? He said, yeah, I saw it. What you want to do? I said, see if you can contact him to see uh-huh. if he would be interested in doing a collaboration with us. He said, all right, cool. He called him, and later that night, he called back. He said, yeah, they into it. He said, get the track together, get it to me, so I can get it to him. So that's what we did. We, uh, about five or six days later, we put the track, we put the track together, sent it to him, sent it it out there, and he was like, all right, he's feeling it, he likes it. So I was like, well, we just need to figure out when – Either we come out there or he come here to do the song. Right. So we ended up putting the song together. Um, one one uh, week, and it, it was November 2018. Okay. He was here in D.C. to do his Redemption of a Dog play. It was then at the Warner Theater. Hmm. Um, then for two or three days. And they called me, his, his assistant called me, Two days before they got here, they got here Friday. She called me on Wednesday. She said, hey, look, Snoop's going to be in town. Book a studio for Friday night. (laughs) I know that's So I was like, "Okay, cool. She said, now, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to make it, but book the studio anyway. So Mm -hmm. I put the studio on hold and I told him we might be in there. So she called me Friday morning. She said, look, I think he's coming to the studio tonight, but I'm not sure. He said, but I'm going to give him your number so y'all can connect because he's out there. I'm still in L.A. I was like, all right, cool. So I'm sitting in the house and a, a, a California area code come up. So I'm thinking, OK, she calling me, telling me he ain't going to make it. 
So I picked up, like, hey, up. He was like, hey, what's up, homie? This Snoop Dogg. I was like, oh, <laughs> what's up? Hey, you know, so he said, uh, I'm on my way to the studio. Where you at? I said, I'm on my way to the studio. And I jumped in the car and we went to the studio. I was supposed to have been at Fast Eddie's. Yeah. I was about to leave to go to Fast Eddie's. Okay. So I had to call Funk to sit in for me at Fast Eddie's while I go to the studio and record with Snoop. And um, we got there. He showed up, listened to the song a couple of times, went in there and cut his part. Mm. I mean, it was great, man. He's a he's a he's just a total yeah, he's a total professional, man. And he lights up the room anywhere he goes. So yeah, everybody yeah. just loves Snoop. Shout out to shout out to Uncle Snoop, man. That song yes, we talking sir. about hit the floor. Yes, also sir. One, one song of the year oh, at the, at yeah, the yeah, one yeah. song of the year at the um uh, at, at the go go um the go go awards. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. You know, so what was what was that like? You know, the, you know, winning that uh that song winning uh song of the year, the Go Go Committee Awards, and you know this 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 the song. I look I, the last time I checked on a, a YouTube, it's like it like five hundred thousand uh views, something like that, which is which is mm -hmm. pretty good. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he, he yeah. I mean, it was great to have um to get that recognition from. The Gogo family, everybody, when, when the record came out, everybody was calling anyway, saying, oh, man, I love the song. That's a good look, you know, you know. And they were actually hoping that the song went on to be, you know, like a number one hit or something because everybody else is like, yo, this is exactly what we need. I mean, the song did well. The song yeah. did very well. So we we were, um, I mean, we were very excited that, you know, the Gogo community recognized it. Uh, as a matter of fact, we won a Whammy Award uh, or, uh, about the song. I think it was Best Go-Go uh, -Go Song uh, or, uh, on, and the Whammy Award. So they recognized it as well. And, and I mean, we're very happy about that, man. We appreciate that recognition. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Y'all got to check out that song, Hit the Floor, Red Essence featured Snoop Dogg. Thing is a banger. Check that out. It's a, available. I'm pretty sure on all streaming platforms. All, all of them. All, all of that, them. All, all, all that good mm -hmm. stuff. So, as we wrap this thing up, let's talk about this real quick. You know, I, I want to know, like, your give me your three, your favorite three venues to perform at, and oh. why. Give me just three. That, just three. That, just yeah, three. That. Now, see, that's hard. That's hard because we've been through. We've been to so many. What if I narrow it down so to the city? Show. What if I narrow it down to just the city? Even that is hard. But the, so now, uh, uh, I have to say the Metro Club because Let that Thursday night, night yeah, that that Thursday night Metro Club party was just something serious. I mean, <laughs> serious. They, so small, I mean, everybody, that's that's small. yeah, <laughs> it's small. It was tight, but yeah. that is what helped that Live at Breezes Metro Club album to sound so good that, yeah. that, that the song, sound wasn't bouncing all over the place. No doubt, no doubt. Um, okay. So that would be one. The Celebrity Hall, Capital City Pavilion, and Black Hole, because it's been all three of those places. Right, right. That's right. another one because we were able to get, I mean, uh, 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 a whole lot of people in there Um. And to, to really, that gave us a big enough stage to really perform and put on a show and and, and have people to really, really um, 
enjoy what we were doing. And, and the crowd up there was phenomenal. You know, we, everything we say, they come right back with us, you know? So, so, so to be able to, to, to have that and, and, and be in that part of town, uptown, that, that was, uh, that was great. Um, one more, (laughs) the, 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 um, the other one might be, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say the East side, Woo! the East side, the Wednesday night party at the East side. It used to be over I there mean, on uh, in Southwest. Down Southwest and Half yeah, Street. Half so, Street. so yeah. we, I mean, we were just having a great time down, down, down there having, you know, I mean, just the Chapter East side. The well, see, that's why I say it's hard <laughs> because the chapter one, two, and three, we were there. We used yeah. to play at tracks sometimes. We used to play at the RSVP, Ooh. which is down the street. We played at the what Edge and Wet. We yeah. played so so we we did all of that. Yeah, I we I mean it's there. the Southwest had its yeah. own little club district, yeah, and did. we hit we hit almost every club down there. Yeah, yeah, man. I was just talking to um uh I don't, uh Mark Gordon from the group Levert. He said when he first came here, when they, they performed at the chapter, and the night before they went to see you guys, that was the uh, Leverts, uh, their first time seeing Gogo in, per- in, 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 in person, and said, man, you guys blew them away. Blew mm-hmm. them away. This is back like yeah. 86, 85, 86, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, that, yeah that's, that's cool. That's cool. That's really so cool. Shout, out, shout out Mark Gordon for uh, Levert. Yes, we, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Shout out to him. Oh, my uh, Headphones came by. Hold on. Apologize. Apologize. Keep testing. Yeah, testing. Yeah. yeah yep, so yep. so mm-hmm. as we wrap this thing up, again, I know I keep saying that, but 40 <laughs> years, 40 plus years in the game, Andre. Like, yeah, man. what inspires you to keep pushing, to keep moving forward, to continue uh, the legacy of, of, of Rare Essence? What is it? You know, it's it's really the audience. It's the audience. I mean, they they love uh, coming out to party. They love some of the songs that, that that we've done over the years. I mean, almost every night I get somebody saying, you know, when we're doing certain venues, I'll get somebody to say, hey, man, look, my father used to come and see y'all all the time. He told me to tell you what's up, you yeah. know, or I'll get a father and son that said, hey, man, my, this is my son's 21st birthday. And he wanted to come and see y'all, and he wants to hear one on one or take me out to the go <laughs> because Body that's special. all I put. Yeah, he said that's all I play when yeah. I'm in the car, right? So uh, he know all the words to that song, and this is a song that he wasn't even born when this song was made. So uh, we get a lot of that, and that's what helps. My son gonna know about y'all. You see my little man. He knows. He knows all. Mm-hmm. Rare Essence, he's been listening That's to y'all. Cool. He's born in 2013. He's going to know everything cool. as well. That's cool, man. That's really cool. So that helps to inspire us to to want to keep going, you know, uh, to, to to be able to do, I mean, just just keep keep the music alive. Keep, keep everything going, man. No doubt, no doubt, man. Well, I want to talk about, you know, you got some, you guys got, um, you know, any any shows coming up, any new music, um, what's you guys on uh, uh, social media? Because you know, they, we in a new, we in uh, the technology age, and yeah. I know you guys yeah. are still killing it. The country opened back up, so where, where you guys playing next? 
Well, the first show back from the pandemic um, is going to be at Aqua uh, Saturday, next Saturday, June 12th. That's yeah, going to be at Aqua. Yeah. So, and then we got, uh, we're doing something in Virginia. We do Aqua every Saturday. We're going to do uh, something in Virginia at Club One uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff now that things are opening back up. Um, we're, we're fortunate enough to have the phone ring. The phone will ring twice since we've been doing this interview at, at mm. two different promoters. I already know what they want, so I'm going to get back to them. But all of that, people people really want to get back out. But the show that I'm looking forward to the most is next May, uh, uh, May 14th at the MGM National Harbor. Oh. We're doing the- we're doing the rare essence reunion. I'm sorry, I couldn't hold that in there. I could I yeah, couldn't yeah. hold that in there. Oh, no, no, no. That 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 rare essence reunion, I mean, everybody is going to be there. Everybody, I mean, uh obviously James Falk and Funky Ned and Go Go Mickey and Jungle Boogie and uh, uh Big Horn and 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 D Floyd and everybody's gonna be there. So to have all, and I think it's somewhere between 30 and 35 musicians that are going to be performing that night. Not not all at the same time, but you know, coming in and out. There's going to be somewhere around 35 musicians on stage that night at that performance. So we're we're we're, we're definitely looking forward to that. This is that's going to be epic. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I will yeah, I will be there. I don't care how yeah. much the tickets cost. Yeah. I will be in front row seat. I'm going. Yeah, that's it's gonna be it's 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 gonna be good. It's gonna no, be really no, good. No. Well, look, Andre, thank you so much for blessing. Uh, this this my, my this, got my got me got me mixed up. Got me got my words. <laughs> thank you, Andre, for yeah. blessing the platform. This has been an honor for me. Uh, this is for the city. This is for the culture. Mm-hmm. We love you. Keep doing what you're doing. Can't wait to see you guys uh, perform live again. I'm going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. Just thank you so much for all your contributions to the culture, brother. I really appreciate it. We appreciate we, it. We, appre- we, we, we appreciate you. We appreciate the support. We appreciate everybody out there for sticking with us for 45 plus years. I mean, that's that's big there. That is no, big. No, no doubt. Well, look, mm-hmm. I'm going to lock our reef. The legend the legend himself, Andre <laughs> White Boy Johnson. We are signing out. Thank you, brother. Love you. You have a good night. You too. Thank you. Take care, brother.